0: chapter twenty one of the lion's skin by raphael sabatini this LibriVox recording is in the public domain the lion's skin for a spell there was utter silence in that spacious pillared chamber mr carroll and her ladyship had both resumed their chairs the former spuriously calm the latter making no attempt to conceal her agitation Portentia leaned forward an eager spectator watching the three actors in this tragic comedy as for Rotherby he stood with bent head and furrowed brow it was for him to speak and yet he was utterly at a loss for words he was not moved at the news he had received so much as dismayed it dictated a course that would interfere with all his plans and therefore a course un- Thinkable, so he remained puzzled how to act, how to deal with this unexpected situation. It was her ladyship who was the first to break the silence. She had been considering Mr. Carroll through narrowing eyes, the corners of her mouth drawn down. She had caught the name of Maligny when it was uttered, and out of the knowledge which happened to be hers, though Mr. Carroll was ignorant of this, it set her thinking i do not believe that you are the son of mademoiselle de maligny she said at last i never heard that my lord had a son i cannot believe there was so much between them mr Carroll stared startled out of his habitual calm rotherby turned to her with an exclamation of surprise how he cried you knew, then my father was she laughed mirthlessly. Ho oh, oh, ho oh. ho! Your father would have married her had he dared, she informed them. Twas to beg his father's consent that he braved his banishment and came to England. But his father was as headstrong as himself held just such views as he himself held later where you were concerned he would not hear of the match i was to be had for the asking my father was a man who traded in his children and he had offered me with a jointure that was a fortune to the earl of ostermore as a wife for his son mr Carroll was listening all ears some light was being shed upon much that had lain in darkness and so she proceeded your grandfather constrained your father to forget the woman he had left in france and to marry me i know not what sins i had committed that i should have been visited with such a punishment but so it befell your father resisted dallying with the matter for a whole year then there was a duel fought a cousin of mademoiselle de maligny's crossed to england and forced a quarrel upon your father they met and monsieur de maligny was killed then a change set in in my lord's bearing and one day a month or so later he gave way to his father's insistence and we were wed but i do not believe that my lord had left a son in france i do not believe that had he done so i should not have known it i do not believe that under such circumstances unfeeling as he was he would have abandoned mademoiselle de maligny you think then said rotherby that this man has raked up this story too consider what you are saying cut in mr Carroll, with a flash of scorn should i have come prepared with documents against such a happening as this nay but the documents might have been intended for some other purpose had my lord lived some purpose of extortion suggested her ladyship but consider again madam that i am wealthy Far wealthier than was ever my Lord Ostermore, as my friends Collis, Stapleton, and many another can be called to prove. What need, then, had I to extort? How came you by your means, being what you say you are? she asked him. Briefly, he told her how Sir Richard Everard had cared for him, for his mother's sake, endowed him richly upon adopting him and since made him heir to all his wealth which was considerable and for the rest madam and you rotherby set doubts on one side your ladyship says that had my lord had a son you must have heard of it but my lord madam never knew he had a son tell me can you recall the date the month at least in which my lord returned to england i can sir it was at the end of april of eighty nine what then mr carroll produced the certificate again he beckoned rotherby and held the paper under his eyes what date is there the date of birth rotherby read the third of january sixteen ninety mr carroll folded the paper again that will help your ladyship to understand how it might happen that my lord remained in ignorance of my birth he sighed as he replaced the case in his pocket (sighs) i would he had known before he died said he almost as if speaking to himself and now her ladyship lost her temper she saw Rotherby wavering and it angered her and angered she committed a grave error wisdom lay in maintaining the attitude of repudiation it would at least have afforded some excuse for her and rotherby instead she now recklessly flung off that armor and went naked down into the fray a fig for a tall she cried and snapped her fingers she had risen and she towered there a lean and malevolent figure her headdress nodding foolishly what does it matter that you be what you claim to be is it to weigh with you rotherby rotherby turned grave eyes upon her he was it seemed not quite rotten through and through there was still in him in the depths of him a core that was in a measure sound and that core was reached most of all had the story weighed with him because it afforded the only explanation of why mr Carroll had spared his life that morning of the duel it was a matter that had puzzled him as it had puzzled all who had witnessed the affront that led to the encounter between that and the rest to say nothing of the certificate he had seen which he could not suppose a forgery he was convinced that mr carroll was the brother that he claimed to be he gathered from his mother's sudden anger that she too was convinced in spite of herself by the answers mr carroll had returned to all her arguments against the identity he claimed he hated mr carroll no whit less for what he had learnt if anything he hated him more and yet a sense of decency forbade him from persecuting him now, as he had intended, and delivering to the hangman, from ordinary murder, once in the heat of passion, as we have seen, he had not shrunk. But fratricide appeared, such is the effect of education, a far, far graver thing, even though it should be indirect fratricide, of the sort that he had contemplated, before learning that this man was his brother there seemed to be one of two only courses left him to provide mr Carroll with the means of escape or else to withhold such evidence as he intended to supply against him and to persuade to compel if necessary his mother to do the same when all was said his interests need not suffer very greatly His position would not be quite so strong, perhaps, if he but betrayed a plot without delivering up any of the plotters. Still, he thought, it should be strong enough. His father dead, out of consideration of the signal loyalty his act must manifest, he thought the government would prove grateful and forbear from prosecuting a claim for restitution against the Ostermore Estates. He had then all but resolved upon the cleaner course, when suddenly something that in the stress of the moment he had gone near to overlooking was urged upon his attention. Hortensia had risen and started forward at her ladyship's last words. She stood before his lordship now with pleading eyes and hands held out. My lord, she cried, you cannot do this thing. You cannot do it but instead of moving him to generosity by those very words she steeled his heart against it and proved to him that after all his potentialities for evil were strong enough to enable him to do the very thing she said he could not his brow grew black as midnight his dark eyes raked her face and saw the agony of apprehension for her lover written there. He drew breath, hissing and audible, glanced once at Carroll, then— "'A moment,' said he. He strode to the door and called the footman, then turned again. "'Mr. Carroll, he said in a formal voice, "'will you give yourself the trouble of waiting in the ante-room? I need to consider upon this matter.' mr carroll conceiving that it was with his mother that rotherby intended to consider rose instantly i would remind you rotherby that time is pressing said he i shall not keep you long was rotherby's cold reply and mr carroll went out what now charles asked his mother is this child to remain it is the child that is to remain said his lordship. Will your ladyship do me the honour, too, of waiting in the ante-room? And he held the door for her. What folly are you considering? she asked. Your ladyship is wasting time, and time, as Mr. Carroll has said, is pressing. She crossed to the door "'controlled almost despite herself "'by the calm air of purpose that was investing him. "'You are not thinking of—' "'You shall learn very soon of what I am thinking, ma'am. "'I beg that you will give us leave.' "'She paused almost upon the threshold. "'If you do a rashness here, "'remember that I can still act without you,' she reminded him. You may choose to believe that that man is your brother, and so out of that and, she added with a cruel sneer at Hortensia, other considerations, you may elect to let him go, but remember that you still have me to reckon with. Whether he prove of your blood or not, he cannot prove himself of mine, thank God. His lordship bowed in silence, preserving an unmoved countenance, whereupon she cursed him for a fool, and passed out. He closed the door and turned the key, Hortensia watching him in a sort of horror. Let me go! she found voice to cry at last, and advanced towards the door herself. But Rotherby came to meet her, his face white, his eyes glowing. She fell away before his opening arms, and he stood still, mastering himself. That man, he said, jerking a backward thumb at the closed door, lives or dies, goes free or hangs, as you shall decide, Hortensia. She looked at him, her face haggard, her heart beating high in her throat, as if to suffocate her what do you mean she asked you love him he growled ah i see it in your eyes in your tremors that you do it is for him that you are afraid is it not why do you mock me with it she inquired with dignity i do not mock you hortensia answer me is it true that you love him it is true she answered steadily what is it to you everything he answered hotly everything it is heaven and hell to me ten days ago hortensia i asked you to marry me no more she begged him an arm thrown out to stay him but there is more he answered advancing again this time i can make the offer more attractive marry me and carol is not only free to depart but no evidence shall be laid against him i swear it refuse me and he hangs as surely as surely as you and i talk together hear this moment cold eyes scathed him with contempt god she cried what manner of monster are you my lord to speak so to speak of marriage to me and to speak of hanging a man who is son to that same father of yours who lies above stairs not yet turned cold are you human at all ay and in nothing so human as in my love for you hortensia She put her hands to her face. Give me patience, she prayed. The insult of it, after what has passed. Let me go, sir, open that door, and let me go. He stood regarding her a moment with lowering brows. Then he turned and went slowly to the door. He dies, remember, said he, and the words the sinister tone and the sinister look that was stamped upon his face shattered her spirit as at a blow no no she faltered and advanced a step or two. Oh, have pity when you show me pity he answered she was beaten you you swear to let him go to see him safely out of england if-if i consent his eyes blazed he came back swiftly and she stood a frozen thing passively awaiting him a frozen thing she let him take her in his arms yielding herself in horrific surrender he held her close a moment the blood surging to his face and glowing darkly through the swarthy skin "'Have I conquered, then?' he cried. "'You'll marry me, Hortensia?' "'At that price,' she answered, piteously. "'At that price?' shalt find me a gentle, loving husband ever. "'I swear it before heaven,' he vowed, "'the ardor of his passion softening his nature, "'as steel is softened in the fire. "'Then—' be it so she said and her tone was less cold for she began to glow as it were with the ardor of the sacrifice that she was making began to experience the exalted ecstasy of martyrdom save him and you shall find me ever a dutiful wife to you my lord a dutiful wife and loving he demanded greedily even that, I promise it, she answered. With a hoarse cry, he stooped to kiss her, then with an oath he checked, and flung her from him so violently that she hurtled to a chair and sank to it overbalanced. No! he roared, like a mad thing now. Hell and damnation! No! A wild frenzy of jealousy had swept aside his tenderness he was sick and faint with the passion of it of this proof of how deeply she must love that other man he strove to control his violence he snarled at her in his endeavours to subdue the animal the primitive creature that he was at heart if you can love him so much as that he had better hang i think he laughed on a high fierce note <laughs> you have spoke his sentence girl do you think i'd take you so at second hand oh death what do you deem me he laughed again in his throat now a quivering half-sobbing laugh of anger and crossed to the door her eyes following him terrified her mind understanding nothing of this savage he turned the key and flung wide the door with a violent gesture bring him in he shouted they entered mr carroll with the footman at his heels a frown between his brows his eyes glancing quickly and searchingly from rotherby to hortensia after him came her ladyship no less inquisitive of look rather be dismissed to the lackeys and closed the door again he flung out an arm to indicate hortensia this little fool he said to carroll would have married me to save your life mr carroll raised his brows the words relieved his fears i am glad sir that you perceive she would have been a fool to do so you i take it have been fool enough to refuse the offer yes you damned play-actor yes he thundered do you think i want another man's cast-offs that is an overstatement said mr Carroll. mistress winthrop is no cast-off of mine enough said snapped rotherby he had intended to say much to do some mighty ranting but before mr carroll's cold half-bantering reduction of facts to their true values he felt himself robbed of words you hang he ended shortly you're sure of that questioned mr carroll i would i were as sure of heaven i think you may be just about as sure Mr. Carroll rejoined entirely unperturbed, and he sauntered forwards towards Hortensia Rotherby and his mother watched him exchanging glances. Then Rotherby shrugged and sneered, "Tis his bluster," said he "He'll be a farceur to the end. I doubt he's half-witted Mr. Carroll never heeded him. He was bending beside Hortensia. he took her hand and bore it to his lips sweet he murmured, 'Twas a treason that you intended have you then no faith in me courage sweetheart they cannot hurt me she clutched his hands and looked up into his eyes you but say that to comfort me she cried not so he answered gravely i tell you no more than what is true they think they hold me they will cheat and lie and swear falsely to the end that they may destroy me but they shall have their pains for nothing i depend upon that rotherby mocked him depend upon it to the gallows mr Carroll's curious eyes smiled upon his brother but his lips were contemptuous i am of your own blood rotherby your brother he said again and once already, out of that consideration, I have spared your life, because I would not have a brother's blood upon my hands. He sighed and continued, I had hoped that you had enough humanity to do the same. I deplore that you should lack it, but I deplore it for your own sake, because, after all, you are my brother. Apart from that, it matters nothing to me will it matter nothing when you are proved a jacobite spy cried her ladyship enraged beyond endurance by this cold scorn of them will it matter nothing when it is proved that you carried that letter and would have carried that other that you were empowered to treat in your exiled master's name will that matter nothing he looked at her an instant then as if utterly disdaining to answer her he turned again to rotherby i were a fool and blind did i not see to the bottom of this turbid little puddle upon which you think to float your argoses you are selling me you are to make a bargain with the government to forbear the confiscations your father has incurred out of consideration of the service you can render by disclosing this plot and you would throw me in as something tangible in earnest of the others that may follow have i sounded the depths of your intent and if you have what then demanded sullen rotherby this my lord answered mr carroll and he quoted the man that once did sell the lion's skin while the beast lived was killed with hunting him remember that they looked at him impressed by the ringing voice in which he had spoken a voice in which the ring was of mingled mockery and exultation then her ladyship shook off the impression and laughed with what do you threaten us she asked contemptuously i threaten ma'am nay I am incapable of threatening. I do not threaten. I have reasoned with you, exhorted you, shown you cause why, had you one spark of decency left, you would allow me to depart and shield me from the law you have invoked to ruin me. I have hoped, for your own sakes, that you would be moved so to do. But since you will not, he paused and shrugged on your own heads be it on our own heads be what demanded rotherby but mr Carroll smiled and shook his head did you know all it might indeed influence your decision and i would not have that happen you have chosen have you not rotherby you will sell me you will hang me me your father's son poor rotherby from my soul i pity you pity me death you impudent rogue keep your pity for those that need it that is why i offer it you rotherby said mr carroll almost sadly in all my life i have not met a man who stood more sorely in need of it nor am i ever like to meet another there was a movement without a tap at the door and Humphreys entered to announce Mr. Green's return, accompanied by Mr. Second Secretary Templeton, and without waiting for more, he ushered them into the room. End of chapter 21